Welcome, everybody, to the Broken Campfire podcast, where I wanted to remind everybody that I don't need anything. I just want things. I'm your host, Andy. What? And I'm, <laughs> and I'm joined by That's so fucking creepy. Greg. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't like that either. Flask, Greg, and Vito. Uh, John is out uh, sick today. Uh, sick is our new word for going to Italy. So he's he's oh, in Italy right now. Dude, he's sick as fuck right now, bro. <laughs> fighting he's, demons in Italy. Yeah, he's fighting demons in Italy. We wish him the best. He'll be back next week, I think. Um, if you're also upset that John's not here, just let us know. Broken Campfire with an at symbol in front of it is the Twitter handle. And funny enough, it's going to blow your minds, but if instead you put that at symbol after the name, but then tagged on gmail.com. That's how you can get us on the email. And I got one more transformation for everybody to think about. If you don't have any at symbol at all, but you put the name at the end of a youtube.com slash, you'll get to our YouTube channel where Flask has been curating our stream content as well as posting some highlights for recent pods. What kind of stream content do we have recently? Well, Flask and I just finished Silent Hill 3, so you can see a full let's play of that. Greg and Flash also recently finished Dino Crisis, but you know I've talked about that a few times. I'm sure you'll. I'm sure everyone has seen all of that by now. Dino Crisis Two, seen some baby. Of it. Seen some of it live. Yeah, some of it. And we got more stuff on the docket. Actually, like uh, we got we got more stuff that we're kind of thinking about doing. You know, um, maybe some Silent Hill Four at some point. Definitely some Dino Crisis Two, maybe soon. Vito and I are throwing around a deadly premonition ball. If there's stuff, and mind you, these are all kind of like horror themes because we started this in October, and we're going to kind of continue it at least in November, I think. But for sure, if you gamers out there have any suggestions, hit me up on any of the various channels I just mentioned. Um, would for sure like to hear your thoughts. Oh, and I, <laughs> I'd be remiss after all this if I didn't say that you can see that content at twitch.tv slash campfire. This is too many transformations. It's too complex for our caliber of listener. <laughs> well, don't worry, listener. I think that you're very smart, unlike our producer, who thinks you're a dumb dumb. Prove me wrong. Nice. That was a good one, Flask. Thanks. Without further ado, all the housekeeping out of the way, we'll start this week's roundtables with me. I'm not done talking, even though you might be done listening to me. <laughs> I do need 10 seconds. No. What can we, what can we fill the time with for 10 seconds? Your round table. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. boom, done. All right. Uh, now we got mine I'll start off. Way. I'll start off this week with non-games. First off, a movie that's been on my list for a while and that I definitely recommend to everyone. Death of Stalin. Oh, yeah. I, I did see this, actually. Uh, super recommend it. Um, super recommend. It, you might think from hearing that name, like, you're not the kind of person that likes a historical, political thing. You know, maybe you don't feel like a vibe about, like, 1940s um, communism is, is for you. But what... And I knew this going in, but if you haven't heard about the movie before, it 
follows Joseph Stalin's, um, well, his death, which happens very early in the movie, and the next few days after, as power is consolidated to Nikita Khrushchev. So why do I recommend it? It's it's really funny, surprisingly funny, uh, in a in a way of like, it's funny because it's true. Yeah. It takes well, a lot of like anecdotes. You probably heard it. It is a satire, but it's also like a lot of the stuff they're satiring did literally happen. Did happen, but it's definitely played up. I mean, the movie is a full on comedy. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Don't want me to mischaracterize. This is not a historical drama that you should base real information off of. I just think it's funny that, like, you know, the way of Russia around Stalin, this uh, person who basically forced you to respect him or else you were dead, um, what does some, you know, hilariously dark moments in, in his aftermath, like stuff like the 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 two guards who were outside of his door who heard him collapse inside of his room and did not want to enter out of fear of being killed. That is a real thing that happened. Yeah. And there's a killer cast in this movie. Uh, Steve Buscemi plays Nikita Khrushchev. Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, he plays uh, Hellboy. uh, What is the Attorney General, I think? Georgi Malenkov. Um, Yeah, Yeah, Malenkov whole cast of really funny people in this one. Ray Fiennes is in that, right? Ray Fiennes? Um, Ray F- I don't... Yeah. I don't think he's... Think wait, who plays... Or wait, him. is it... Um, uh, um, oh, my God. No, not Ray Fiennes. It's... Uh, Which Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs? Yeah, is he in Jason, Jason Isaacs does play... Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Jason Isaacs yeah, was my yeah. favorite character in that. Oh, he was great in it. So yeah. memorable that I forgot it was, <laughs> it was him. <laughs> Sorry, Jason. You were great. But, you know, um, the, mo- the movie really just... <clears throat> the whole plot of the movie is kind of following a... I don't know. Would you say like a shadow power struggle? I don't know how subtle it really is, but uh, following two of... Stalin's lieutenants, I'm using that word informally, Nikita Khrushchev and Lavrenti Beria, as they sort of play pieces against one another to try to get control of the Soviet Union. And of course, we know from history that Khrushchev eventually, Khrushchev played by Bushimi, does eventually become um, the uh, prime minister. But, you know, it. the fact that that happens is almost inconsequential. So, like, your enjoyment of this movie, I think, is not really at all tied to how much you know or don't know the history of it. Sorry, I know I'm kind of like ranting on about this movie, but this movie's been on my list for a while, and even going in with high expectations, I, I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. Uh, for example, uh, average of 8 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, I think that's way too low for this movie. I love it. Great movie. Yeah, I had seen it on an airplane, and. I thought a lot of it was very funny. Ultimately, I think I kind of was like, yeah, that was good. Um, eight out of 10 sounds. Yeah, I would have given it an eight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's solid for me. But if you're if you're more like Andy, then it would definitely, I, I could totally see why it appeals. Yeah, no, if, it's, that's good. If, nine, you can get nine, more, five, I would say. if you can get more out of it than, than what I did, that's fantastic. And though I said uh, I don't think your enjoyment of history 
um, colors or anything. I I think it's you know just fair to state my biases. I <clears throat> I don't know a ton about this period of history, but there's nothing that happened in this movie historically that I didn't know. So I I know enough. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm blanking right now because there was totally another movie that I saw that I wanted to speak about. Uh, and I was doing some other things before the podcast. I didn't have time to write it down. Now I'm just kind of like rambling. Ah, okay. I also saw Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, I also watched that. I'm really curious wow. to see what you think. Because I, well, well, it's my round table. So fuck you. I will, I will say first. Hey. I'm kidding. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it could have been better. Hold on. Explain to me what it is, because I've heard that it's like not an actual account of his life. You know know how like Weird Al does parodies of songs? Yeah. This is kind of like a parody of biopics. Okay. And it's not his actual life or things are exaggerated or made up. I wouldn't be surprised if nothing in this movie actually happened. That I would... Same. I in would fa- not in be fa- surprised. In fact, if 0% I bet nothing in this real. movie actually happened. That's a like, more interesting premise for me than an actual biopic of Weird Al, who I'm not like some sort of super fan of. It, it's got a lot of big moments, and it's actually pretty funny, I think. But like, just to give you an idea of what I mean, it's stuff like him coming up with like some of the best scenes are when he comes up with the parody. Like he just sees something and he hears something that he's like, "Wait a minute, what if?" You know, it like. And the he, dramatic he, music swells in the background. Ex- exactly. And then he sings it to like somebody and somebody's like, what the They're fuck? They're in that was, the fu- that was yeah. the best fucking thing I ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Daniel Radcliffe playing. Yes. Yeah. You know, it, it, which is the weirdest casting I've ever heard of. Yeah. So it's got which a pretty good script. I think it's, it, it's overall pretty funny, entertaining all the way through. Um, but definitely, this is a movie that like you would almost recommend, even if it was bad, just because of how good Daniel Radcliffe is. He he really is. Like, oh, really? Uh, he's fan. I mean, I love Daniel Radcliffe in general. Like, I think he's had a great post Harry Potter career, really interesting career. Um, and I think that uh, this movie is uh, perfectly in in his uh, lane, uh, and he excels at it. It's not like he's even doing a weird Al impersonation. He's just like playing. Uh, the character he plays is, he, you know, he does it so well. Yeah, he's playing like a dramatized version of Weird Al intentionally, like the yeah. biopic version of Weird Al or of a exactly. Musician. Also, Vito, the reason like that they went in um, intending all along to have it be completely fictional, uh, because specifically Weird Al has had. Absolutely no controversies in his career. He's been yeah, he's, a very mild, he's been completely he, devoid wait, of wait. of exciting events in his career aside from success. Which is, which is a funny which is a funny joke of the movie. In his niche. Yeah. I guess a minor spoiler, but like when the guy is like name any celebrity who's ever gotten as big as you are without uh you know have without controversy. Name any one. There aren't any. And he's like yelling at Weird Al. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So funny. That being said, all the praise out of the way, I kind of felt like sometimes the shtick was was getting hammered a little too much. I mean, I guess it's kind of just intrinsic to a parody film is that it can't break 
character as a parody film. Like they can't just do something for real. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I can't even name any particular moments. There was a couple times where like I saw the joke coming before it came, and and I'm talking more in the second half. Not not the second half is, is noticeably worse. Though I do think some of the escalation of the second half was maybe just a bit nonsensical for me, even given what the movie was trying to do. You know what I mean? It wasn't as clear what they were going for, really. Um, yeah. And the tone wasn't as, didn't have as, as much clarity as the first part of the movie. Yeah. That being said, I think it's overall a pretty great movie. I really enjoyed it. What do you think, Floss? I definitely got my chuckles out of it. And that's all, you know, that's all I need from a comedy movie is just to get my chuckles out of it to be like, haha, you know, every, every now and then. So if a movie can do that, then it's actually funny in some respects. Yeah. Um, but I, I totally agree with you. I'm, I'm, uh, fully agreed with you that they could have either done more or different and it would have just been that extra level of, of good. Um, Especially, yeah, in the, the latter part of the movie where things kind of go in a direction that isn't so much as funny anymore to me. Um, yeah. It's kind of a very specific thing there. It's kind of like, uh, uh, I guess, just in general, it, I don't know. I don't. I almost don't want to say this because I don't want to paint it as like super bad. Because I think even when it's not as interesting, it's, it was still entertaining enough. But it's almost like uh, any comedy bit that goes on too long eventually just kind of devolves you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i felt like the the movie knows that and it was what it was doing towards the the second half was definitely like we know that you can't take a bit on too long so we're just going to take it to an extreme which i think is a fine attitude i just don't think it it works super well for me you know what i mean i think that's why i'm like i'm I'm trying not to come down too hard on the movie because i could totally see what they were going for and i think it's a good idea you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe part of it is due to, you know, budget or just the scope of the project from the get-go. I mean, this this was filmed in two weeks, which is ridiculously low. Oh, I didn't know that. As That's an amount of time to film a movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, two weeks, uh, like 16 days, I think, was the, the figure for Radcliffe's shooting schedule. Um, and wow. it feels it feels fairly low budget, like they didn't have too much to work with. Not that they needed much for what they wanted to do, but yeah. Uh, I think there's definitely it's 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 fairly small scope, even though they they do a lot with what they have. Yeah, I think it's fair to say. And it's uh, free on Roku with ads. What's Roku? Is that like TiVo? Well, the Roku channel. Yeah, it was like a it was like a Chromecast at one point, but yes, it has its own thing now. Like it has TV and and shit. The Roku, Robo Vito. The Roku device is still the device you're thinking of. There's just there is the Roku channel, which is their proprietary streaming service, as everyone right. has one these days. Although I think people are having trouble seeing weird in any country other than the U.S. currently, because right. the Roku channel is not very well uh, uh, delivered, well well spread, <laughs> well streamed. Around the world. Okay, and and then I'll just briefly mention one one final film. Um, I kind of forgot to talk about this last week, but I, I it's notable enough I should mention it, as I recently in the last couple of weeks watched a Scanner Darkly for the first time. Mm, I don't okay. want to go. I mean, I I feel like if you've heard about that movie, you know what I'm you know about it, and if you don't, 
if you haven't heard about it, I don't know if it'll be super interesting to you. Um, first off, has anybody else seen this film? I have. I kind of I've thought, seen all your films. No. I figured that you might have. Okay, it's a Keanu Reeves movie. Um, it was adapted from a story by Philip K. Dick, guy who wrote Blade Runner, about a society in which. It's like the post future. Like specifically, it takes place seven years after whatever year you're in. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it takes place in a big city that has been overrun by this crazy new drug called uh, sub- Substance D. Uh, and Keanu Reeves' character plays somebody who wears kind of like a morph suit, where their face and body are kind of are always changing, so you'd never know who they are. Who serve as like the super detectives looking into substance D and the drama comes in that he quickly becomes a suspect in his own investigation. Um, the, the most notable thing about this movie, which I'm sure flask is like frustrated. I haven't mentioned yet is that it's entirely animated. And do, do you know the style flask? Well, it's rotoscoped. So rotoscoped, they, they filmed right. the footage of the actors performing the scenes and then animated over it uh, in a very right. distinct style. Yeah, which is is a really cool style that I got to say, like, didn't, I don't know, it it was a combination of the style and the structure of the movie, but, like, the movie has a thing where, like, I feel like for the first 15 minutes or so, you have no idea what the fuck is going on or where it's going. Maybe even longer than that. Like, the movie is is constantly moving and and jumping into, like, new things, you know what I mean? Uh, Well, it's it's also a Linklater film, so (laughs) he loves that kind of stuff. Okay, and I and I'm not super familiar with the guy, but I I should yeah, that's a good point. It's directed by Richard Linklater. He loves jumping around. Okay, that being said, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was cool. It's a fun, a uh, little bit more than an hour and a half, uh, sci-fi flick, and the rotoscope animation alone makes it kind of worth watching. It's pretty fun. Um, yeah. Star-studded cast too. If you haven't seen it, Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Woody Harrelson, Robert Downey Jr. play the four main leads. I, I feel I like this movie is went totally underground and maybe didn't get great reception when it was launched. It was one of those cult hits these days. Yeah, you don't hear it talked about too much, but when it's brought up, it's like, yeah, that was that was interesting. That was unique. Yeah. I think there was Before also like I think there was also like a um a a, a film that it was like an anthology type thing that had a sequence that was like a uh, scanner darkly side story scene like i don't know what to call it there was like i i seem to remember there was some sort of you In know how sometimes continuation exactly some weird media exactly I know, I know you know how some sometimes an author will write a book and then they'll have a short story from the same universe appear in a different like anthology I think right. that's what a guy, happened. A guy, will, a guy will watch a tv show in the book and the tv show is like showing us what happened next for something else yeah something like that i think yeah. there was one of those i Whatever. <laughs> Interesting. Um, okay. I got to look into that maybe just to see what Waking happened. life maybe? Yeah. What it, look into it. Yeah. That's it for shows and film. Actually, that was all movies. The only game I'm going to talk about, there's a few games I could talk about, but the only one I want to talk about is Persona 5 Royal, which recently came to Ah, PC. beautiful. Ah. <laughs> Man, that game's got a long, long wind up. I got to say, it, it, it really does. Uh, first ten to twelve hours feel like 
mostly cutscenes. I'm exaggerating a little bit because you do go through a dungeon in there. Um, and, and I was and I was enjoying it, but like I there's a couple moments where I was like, I just got to keep playing. I got to keep got to keep pushing through. But I'm back into the high school part of it, um, which is where the game really opens up with like choices and such, choosing who to hang out with, choosing what activities to do. Such things affect your relationship with somebody and your stats. Your relationship with somebody kind of affects... You, if you don't... You guys know Persona, right? Like you, Basically, it's an RPG, turn-based RPG, where you use Pokemon. But instead of Pokemon, <laughs> they're the spirits of people, the heart inside, like the, the rebellious spirit. Um... And you can summon these, and the game also has like a fusion system where you can make new ones, like like kill a couple of them to forge their essence together to make a more powerful one. And your relationship with somebody uh, directly re- directly affects how the quality of persona that you can make in that person's um, archetype, their tarot archetype. So yeah, all I play demi kids. Right. All that's to say is that the game has a lot of fun, like little systems to interact with that feel rewarding and um, whatever. And, you know, everybody says this, but I got to say, the game has just a really stunning visual interface and, like, um, the menus and such are all really cool. There was one menu, Greg, the, uh, the Jose shop with all the stars, where I was actually like, wow, this is cool. It's just a oh, fucking yeah. shop, shop menu. The music's really cool. Um, I the, love Persona's music. Me and Greg last night were fucking around great. with uh, switching out the different costumes and how that affects the music. Like, he had me put on... Uh, and all these costumes come with Royal. He had me put on the Persona 4 costumes, and all of a sudden I was fighting with, like, Persona 4 music. And then he had me put on dance costumes, and we were fighting with, like, music from some dance game I, I haven't played. Dancing all night? Dancing all night. That's fun. It's very cool. They have uh like Persona Three. I believe they have uh some of the Shin Megami Tensei uh costumes in there. They play music from them. Right. It's it's almost overwhelming because like when you, when you get the royal stuff, first off, kind of annoying. They gave me a hundred thousand dollars. I didn't ask for that. Um. <laughs> I don't like they that also gave, Yeah. Then they also gave me a bunch of items. I didn't ask for that. Uh, and it also gives you access to really super OP personas, which you can just choose not to use those, so that's fine. Um, but then it gives you like thirty costumes per person. It's like a little overwhelming the amount of choices. Like I don't, I don't know what what do I want to wear. Typically, I just stick to the default stuff. Yeah, I'd freak out and just stick to default. <laughs> yeah, very fun game though. I'm sure you're, you you listeners are going to hear me talk about it a lot because I'm only on the second dungeon. Um, maybe like twelve or fifteen hours in, somewhere around there, and that's on the high end. Um, it was a long ass game, so I'll, I'll I'll leave it there. Any questions? Well, Greg, so what do you think about the first twelve or so hours? Like, what was your experience? I mean, it's really the first like dungeon is basically a giant tutorial. In my I think like mm. yeah yeah the first like ten twelve hours. Uh, is basically the tutorial of getting used to the game, figuring everything out. And oh uh, man, I'm glad you said that. But sorry, not to cut you off, but like I just I want to get this thought out there. 
I did appreciate that tutorial though, because like this game, it, it didn't need to be that long, but this game like has a lot of new features from Persona Four, and also just like turn-based games in general that like are really cool that make the game flow. It has like yeah, it has a lot of stuff. Um, like when you go into the uh people's hearts which is like the uh the dungeon of uh like everyone's main dungeon your uh your main goal is to collect the treasure but usually there's like puzzles or like somewhere you have to go or there's like some right gimmick to the dungeon that you have to figure out and like the first dungeon it does well of like explaining like what you have to do scouting out the place where safe areas would be and all that it's nice but also like the combat like when you hit somebody's weak point, you can do a baton. Like in general, in Persona, if you hit somebody's weak point, and they you knock them down, and you get an extra turn. But in Persona Five, you can do a baton pass to pass the extra turn to somebody else. So you can get into a flow of like passing it to like, oh, I hit the guy with ice. Now I need to pass it to my fire guy for another weakness. You know what I mean? Um, that. Uh, and as you level up skills, you get different like abilities to add on to like your baton passes. And that, in effect, like, makes the game feel like you're always, like, it's kind of like a dance. You're always flowing. You're always doing something. Um, there's ways to, like, kill lower-level mobs really quickly. Stuff like that, you know what I mean? That's nice. Very, very well-designed game so far. But, yeah, once you get past that, uh, like, the, like I said, the first 10, 12 hours, and, like, the world opens up and you can really do whatever you want, uh, it gets a lot better, for sure. Is it like bigger or smaller or the same size as like Persona Four? I think it's much larger, right? Yeah, much larger. Okay, yeah. Count. Well, based on how long they beat, I feel like P4G was sixty hours, and Persona Five Royal is like a hundred hours. Like for mm, okay, wow. <laughs> for beating the game, not completionist, just beating that map wise. The dungeons are pretty big, humongous. Wow. Okay. The reason I asked is just because the impression I always got of P5 is that there's so much style baked in, like, you know, cooked into every cranny of it, that I was wondering if it was, like, quality over quantity more. Like, they took the lesson after P4, or not the lesson, but they decided after P4, we're going to really condense things and make it really, really stylish. But yeah, I'm surprised think that they it's, did that instead for P5. Larger. And then they were like, hey, we're just going to add more stuff for P5 <laughs> Royal. We're just going to keep going. You know, and I and I'm not saying it's not great content because it is, but you can understand like P5, the main gist of the game is not all that different from P4 and I assume P3, where you play as a high school student who, for reasons, occasionally does a supernatural thing to go through dungeons uh, that affect the real world in some way. You know what I mean? Like, so you can yeah. imagine like. Especially if you're doing the high school thing, we're like, okay, he's in high school, so he has semesters, so he has exams, so he has finals. You can imagine where all that time can be inserted into the game fairly easily. But it's like a so so far, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not saying it's repetitive at all. Yeah, but it's like a life vibe game. You play it for over yeah. the course of a while in your life. It's a vibe game for sure. All right, that's me. That's Persona Five. Hear about that more next week. And other things. But for now, for now, right now, we're going on to Flask. Before we go to Flask, um, how far are you in? Like, how much further did you get when I left yesterday? Can't if you don't you mind left. saying that here. 
Uh, mm-hmm. You had just got Yusuke. <laughs> I hope I still did that because uh, <laughs> I, right. I fell asleep with the game on. It wasn't running when I got home from work, and I hope I saved it. <laughs> and I don't All know right. when I did. Cool. But not much further than that, I, I don't think. I don't actually. Maybe I did get a little bit further than that. I think I was getting ready to send the calling card. Ooh, that's pretty cool. I was either close to sending the calling card, or I had just sent it. I can't remember which one, but I, I'm, I'm getting. I was almost done with that dungeon, so I'm getting it. All right, cool. All right, that's all I wanted. Flask, what were you doing, man? Sure. Nice segue. Uh, <laughs> so I actually, first of all, I have a couple notes about. Uh, some of our no 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 i have a couple notes about some of our questions that we or maybe i had during our silent hill 3 playthrough oh never mind this is good stuff (laughs) oh because (laughs) it pertains to you no no no. i was just i was was getting ready for you to pull up the hat right no not corrections or i don't think there's corrections in here no so what's up notes uh Uh, that's good because i was just i didn't really talk about it I feel like right. I talked about Silent Hill 3 enough as I played it that I don't want to talk about it a whole lot on air. But yeah. I will say, I overall enjoyed it. It was my least favorite of the Silent Hills I played, but I've only played the original three. Um, and mm-hmm. that's mostly because I felt like it was really missing something with its super loose structure. And I'll be honest, I didn't really give much of a shit about the story. I didn't feel like it was as interesting as... I mean, it's a high bar, but it's not. it was definitely not as interesting as Silent Hill 2. I personally would say it's the weakest of the first three, so I agree with you there. Okay. Um, but also, you know, keep we have to always keep in mind that we did we play it on stream in the format right. we did. Um, but That's also, fair. uh, in in playing it w- with you, you know, like being by your side while you played it, I was kind of surprised that it was like my memory of it is a little rose tinted. I think. Because there was a definitely a lot of uh, running around areas that weren't that important to the story and checking a fuck ton of doors that were uh, busted or busted. Yeah, <laughs> I know that that's just the way you chose to play and the way I would choose to play if I were playing it. So maybe check that's everything, just, you know, right? on it. Yeah, but check everything. So in checking everything is just, yeah, it was a little bit tedious and a lot of the areas didn't feel very uh unique a lot of corridor kind of stuff yeah you're better set if you know what the major areas are which is really hard to know if you haven't played and don't want to spoil yourself of course but Mm -hmm. just running through everything else honestly but for that for what the content actually is they dolly it up really nice and it's all it looks great and it it, there's atmosphere for sure it looks fantastic especially for a ps2 game it looks great as i mean and the atmosphere is great um really nails the minute-to-minute gameplay for the most part Mm -hmm. so you take the good you take the bad and you know i think they improved the combat from two even so it it got better i haven't played two in many years not since Mm -hmm. i was a kid but many years so uh but yeah so in rewatching during editing i did pick up on some stuff we were not able to while playing uh and commenting on my part uh i asked why claudia thinks that Alessa wants to burn the world, you know, and remake it as paradise. She says that's what Alessa wants. Um, and that is actually answered later. We got that answer when uh, you find out that, you know, Claudia was childhood friends with Alessa. So right. uh, they were close friends, like sisters, when they were young. 
And that's the Alessa she knew pre-ritual burning. Uh, when that was when Alessa still believed in the cult's doctrine, she was indoctrinated, which is the whole paradise thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So Claudia is working off of when she was a close friend of Alessa's in childhood. Um, and not really buying into the fact that Heather, who is like two steps removed from Alessa at this point is saying, Oh no, I don't want that. It's like, no, I know Alessa. Like I, I knew Alessa for real. And she wanted this, so right. Um, that is a, a point to make. Not that we missed that; we just didn't connect the dots after we learned that piece of information. Um, and then we wondered at who the woman was in the confessional, the the voice you hear asking for forgiveness, and you can choose whether or not to forgive. Uh, when you're able to actually pay attention to what she's saying, it's clear she can't be Dahlia. She's not Dahlia. Oh, I thought that we reasoned it was Dahlia, right? We did at the time. It cannot be Dahlia based on what she's saying. Uh, I was even like, it doesn't sound like her, but beyond the voice not sounding like her, it's stuff it she was, says it, is not. It wasn't like a very reasoned decision on our part, to be fair. It was definitely a process no. of elimination. <laughs> yeah. We were just like, who can be, who's, who has who a daughter in the Silent Hill universe? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's likely an unknown character or just more likely it's a metaphor, like a representation of guilt that is there for you to make the choice. Um, and that choice, by the way, does affect, um, does affect an ending. There are mo a couple endings you can get. We got one. There's, I think there's only a couple in this game. I mean, we got a pretty good one, um, right? Which I assume we got, we got the default one. Yes. Okay. Well, I felt like, uh, me forgiving her was the right choice there for like a good ending. So what the game developers actually intended with that, by the way, is that uh -oh. forgiving her is basically saying that you still buy into the notion of religious forgiveness, forgiveness, and that you are still you still have faith. Um, oh, and man, that that's you not, <laughs> was not the way I intended that. That was no. That was me seeing a woman in pain that I don't really care about, so forgiveness is easy to give, you know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, yeah I forgive you, sure. Yeah, you're basically saying like, oh, it's not so bad that you did this awful thing. Um, people can be forgiven for that. Now, whether the developers are, you know, correct in saying that that's the interpretation, um, that's, you know, up to you to decide, obviously. But what it does affect is it adds points to towards the bad ending funny enough so if you forgive hmm. her it actually makes it likelier that you'll get the bad ending where heather goes evil so i've done a little bit of digging in myself it's pretty hard to get other endings without specifically doing that right yes that is a big because, factor because the game has this whole hidden point system mm -hmm. and the whole key to getting an ending is to game the point system to either get very, very few or a ton of points. I think, like, very few points is, like, if you didn't kill anybody, like, didn't kill any monsters at all except the ones you had to and did a few right. other things, right? It's basically, like, just kill a lot of enemies and get hurt a lot to get to, to go towards the bad ending. Right. Which mm -hmm. I felt like I kind of did, but... I did sort of like the normal amount, I guess. I would say the normal amount. Like, I like, I, like, like I didn't. Like, I suppose you would probably have the perfume on if you're going for that ending. 
absolutely yes things like that yes the perfume being an item that attracts more enemies and of course there's the ufo ending because <laughs> they still had that how do you get that uh sorry i actually don't remember i look i did see it i just forget i, I feel like there's some of them maybe including that one that you have to do on a new game plus mm-hmm. and um oh sorry yeah th- um I think you can only get other endings on the New Game Plus. I think you're absolutely right. I don't think right, you can even get other than the ending what you got I thought, on the first run. Is that... I felt like I read that. Yeah, I think you're right. Which but is yeah. a departure from the other Silent Hill games, for sure. It is. Silent Hill 2. Anyway, I thought I had more, but no, that's that's fine. That's enough. <laughs> but just Did a couple things that were like... When Claudia became aware of what was going on? I know that was a big question that we couldn't answer. When Claudia became aware, I can't remember exactly of, what it was. When did she become aware of Heather? Uh, I think it was. And oh, I don't she, know. Why, like, why was she acting now and all that? Right. I think she's actually. I think she knew about Heather for a, a little bit, and she's actually acting early, if I remember correctly. Like she mm. is trying to hasten. She says at the end, "I was trying. I was kind of foolish for trying to hasten the birthing of God." Like she was, based on her religion, she was kind of supposed to just wait and let it happen. But instead, she was like, "No, we got to yeah, do this. Put, we got to make this she happen." Threw, the, threw some fuel on that gas, right? Yes. Um, so maybe she knew about them uh, for a while before she even acts. Yeah. Fair. But yeah, Downhill 3 was... Go check it out on our YouTube or Twitch. <laughs> we had fun. All right. Um, yeah, as for stuff I actually did, uh, too bad John's not here because I, I did uh, want to talk to him about this a little bit, but I could probably catch up with him on this when, when it finishes. Dude, I, uh, I feel you. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I had just this year made the resolution to stop watching Star Wars releases altogether uh you know when a whole bunch of people unable to just leave me alone kicked my door down and declared andor is good actually and because these miscreants would not cease i did give in checked it out and sure enough it's good actually andor well uh, what is it Disney this? Plus. This is a series of talking about the, the prequel starring Cassie and Andor to it's Rogue One. Cassie Andor. Yes. L- literally Cassie Andor, she- like the, the guy who has no fucking personality. Uh, I mean, that describes like everybody in that movie. But. He's he's like his personality in Rogue One is that he's like a more more ruthless Han Solo. He's a he's a like yeah. a roguish type who's more ruthless than Han Solo in- was. Why is a show about Cassie and Andor like next level television compared to everything else that Disney Plus puts out and Star Wars? I don't know. What do you um, mean by next level? Like, what exactly do you think is it is done a better? it is a step above everything about the other shows? <laughs> it's better than Mandalorian. Yeah, how do you compare it to opinion. like normal good TV, like an HBO, uh, like Barry, or like some other like? You know, prestige television, I guess is the word. I would say it could hold its own. 
Really? I would say it could hold its own. Yeah. God, that's that's weird. It's still Star Wars. It's still set in the Star Wars universe, I mean. So it's like it's you got to also like that stuff. You know, like it it's not pure pure drama. Although it is drama. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but I would say it could I mean, hold I don't its own dislike prestige the concept like and world of Star Wars. You know that. Right. Yeah. Um maybe it's be- so the showrunner is Tony Gilroy who did write and direct I believe Rogue One. Uh it's he he's the showrunner and his brother Dan wrote some of the episodes. The two of them have a lot of uh stuff in their belts career-wise and they've done some good stuff. Um but I don't I don't know what the secret sauce is. Maybe it's just that like they had no real expectations for a Cassian Andor show, so they just gave more free reign than they would usually. And it turns out they gave free reign to like someone who actually has a good head on their shoulders for once and hired good writers. I I, I don't know, but whatever it is, it worked. And uh, yeah, so uh, we're ten of twelve episodes in right now. I haven't actually watched the tenth today's episode yet, but I can pretty confidently say that it's good actually if it fumbles the touchdown i'll let you know but <laughs> okay um, wow writing acting sets effects costumes all of that uh everything about the show is like good <laughs> um the overall the overall arcs and pacing really work uh it actually made me want to see what would happen next, which happens so infrequently these days. Um, I have one quibble, which I have about all Star Wars. Granted, I haven't seen all Star Wars, but the Star Wars I have seen. Uh, not enough aliens, too many humans. And I think that's down to perhaps uh, Gilroy not wanting to, or he's more of like a, He's not a Star Wars guy, you know, so he's he's not invested in the sci-fi he's aspect as much as the he, well, no, no, he's just not ex- invested in the sci-fi aspect of it as much as he is in the the humanity of the storytelling. You know, he wants to just tell a drama that happens to be set in the Star Wars. Don't do it universe. in Star Wars, bo- dude. What? I mean, it works. It's it's good still, and it uses yeah, the trappings cool, of Star like, Wars. It does. That was like also a cool part of the Star Wars, you know, that we watched, where mm. like all the cool alien species, like uh, what was it in like the Senate or whatever the hell it was called? Yeah, uh, right, right. Where you see like all the alien species, that's cool. I'm and now it's any- just it's mostly been like humans most of the time. Are there any epic lightsaber battles like that one time that um, Obi Wan, Anakin, Dooku, and Yoda were all in the same battle? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Yeah, what? no. This this strays far from Jedi and Sith. This is not. This is completely grounded. Uh, politics and people just trying to scrape by and survive. One robot with multiple lightsabers. Criminals and uh, corrupt politicians and stuff like that. Right. You know? I mean, it sounds weird, but all right. <laughs> no Jar Jar? No Jar Jar. The Not fuck? this time. I didn't even ask. I just thought, like, of course it's going to... That was a given? Yeah, no. Yeah. Even though he's in the Senate at this point in time, which is funny to think about, he actually re- would be representing Naboo in the Senate. <laughs> 
during Andor, which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah, I get that humans are the most numerous race in the galaxy, and that's like the explanation for why they're the, the major race you see in Star Wars. But in this show, it's especially egregious how few non-humans are present, let alone relevant characters. Um, which, as Greg said, it's cool when there's aliens and stuff. <laughs> so more of that, please. And two, this, the other thing, uh, the other quibble. The unfortunate but unavoidable fact that this is another prequel, so we know how things resolve past the scope of the show. Uh, granted, they have room for a few seasons. Bad, but... right? What? Bad, right? They, it usually ends up bad? Usually ends up bad. I mean, don't most things? Everyone dies. In general, I mean. <laughs> Damn dude, <laughs> Every person right. who lives dies. Jesus. Um, You're right. Fine. But yeah. We we know specifically where certain stuff ends up, and uh, in general, even we know a lot of where it ends up, obviously. But for you know, it does a great job of expanding uh, Andor's backstory and the political quagmire that he finds himself wrapped up in. Um, it has to be the most minutia oriented Star Wars exploration that we've ever gotten to date. I, really getting deep into aspects of the universe. Which I super appreciate because I, the the part I love about Star Wars is the universe. I just love the universe of Star Wars. You know, stories can come and go, be good and bad, but I love living in the universe, and this show delivers on that. Maybe more than any other show that I've seen, at least. I haven't seen like a lot of the animated stuff, but the I think the best thematic thing thing that this show does is it shows the dire unconscionable consequences of a totalitarian regime where accountability to the people is non-existent which i'm not saying i want star wars to be all or even mostly as grounded and gritty as this is but you know in comparison to pulpy fun obviously like the original star wars movies bring Um, back the robots (laughs) uh but I think you can strike a good balance with the, the property of Star Wars and write both types well if you get some good fucking writers like this show has seemed to. Um, as I said, I'm not, I'm not keeping up with like cartoons and comics and stuff, so I don't know how they're doing. Uh, but this one's the best show right now, I think. Yeah. Check it out. I was surprised. As for games, I'm going to talk about one game. Uh, Signalis came out on Game Pass. Oh, yeah, dude. I was going to recommend that to you if you hadn't. I mean, I'm sure you. I'm not surprised it was already on your radar, but I saw Mm. that game and I thought, oh, yeah, Flash would be into this. So I actually played the demo of this earlier this year during one of the Steam Next Fests and talked about it on the podcast. I I, Um, I thought it sounded familiar, but I couldn't remember where. mm -hmm. I. To be fair, I didn't remember until I saw the game. And I was like, oh, yeah, I played that. Played the demo of that. I think my take on it then was that it was a reasonable, you know, like adventure survival horror game marred by the visual style, which had this like chromatic aberration effect. The full game does not have that. Whatever whatever was causing trouble for me at the time, uh, it looks fine. So right away, better for me. Uh, good game though. 
maybe great game, like really good game. Um, it's a top-down survival horror game. Uh, you play as a biomechanical artificial human looking for someone in a facility on a colonized world that has apparently undergone some kind of cat- catastrophe, which would explain the zombie-like enemies walking around trying to kill you. Uh, but it goes much deeper than that. It it's, gets gets pretty deep. Uh, the setting is like authoritarian cyberpunky with an aesthetic that you've probably seen the like of before. I don't know what to call it exactly, like retrofuturism to some extent. Um, I definitely spied influences from Neon Genesis Evangelion, Ghost in the Shell, Blame, uh, Silent Hill, Resident Evil, of course those, uh, Weird Fiction, uh, like li- Weird Fiction literature. It's a good aesthetic all around. Um, you know, you got CRTs, but also robots, that kind of thing. Uh, the combat is purposeful, but fun and pretty intense most of the time. Um, the radio feature is, is cool. It's used in, you use a radio in a bunch of puzzles and used for different aspects of the game. Uh, alerts you to certain things. Uh, some good quality of life features, like uh, the way your map updates pretty comprehensively. It's sort of like Silent Hill in that uh, as you find out the status of doors, they are uh, added to your map. And it's very easy to look at your map and see uh, the exact state of the layout and like where you need to go, where you haven't been yet, that kind of stuff, where you need to use keys, etc. We, as as we said on stream, Andy, we love maps like that that like auto oh, update as you as you're playing through the area. Um, stores files you've read, so you can always go back to files you've read. Uh, the ability to just click on locks, you know, any sort of lock, and the game will just know you want to use the right key, etc. Stuff like that. Um, doors can be finicky because your character does need to be in a certain orientation before the door to like use or open it go through it so god forbid you have a group of enemies bearing down on you and the door noticed you didn't stand at attention and salute it first like sometimes it just won't let you through because you're not in the exact right spot so that's like one of the only finicky details about the game uh and that seemed to happen regardless of control method for me the other thing actually is that i would have appreciated more inventory space you're limited to six slots for both balancing and in-game lore reasons um but i would have appreciated a little bit more inventory space or just unlimited inventory space for key items because you do get quite a few key items uh even in like a single run around a new area and they can quickly take up the few slots you have that are also used for weapons, health, everything like that. Uh, you're not supposed to be lugging around an arsenal, of course, and I didn't do that in my play. But sometimes the game does pile on items when you're just exploring and trying to dodge enemies, and you suddenly find yourself full. Uh, that that happens pretty frequently. So it's not a flaw. It is a feature. 
could be argued to be vital to a certain feeling of tension, like that you can't that you can't or shouldn't pick up everything that you have to make decisions. I get that. It just doesn't maybe gel with the way I tend to play. And I do feel like in certain areas I got full a little too quickly and it was more of a chore to keep going back to item boxes and dropping stuff, dumb stuff. Um, especially when it's a lot of key items. Anyway, uh, overall, really good time from the game. Organic puzzles, great art direction, nice animations, uh, pretty smooth combat, very intriguing writing and story that I'm going to be thinking about for, for a while. Um, it doesn't just crib off of like silent. It's not just a silent hill knockoff. It doesn't just crib off that it cribs off so much stuff that it itself is a unique, <laughs> is a unique, uh, direction. So I can appreciate that, but definitely the, the atmosphere is, is, is great. Um, the composition of the, the whole piece is pretty self-assured and it was, it was made by two German people. I mean, not the fact that the German isn't the the part that I'm emphasizing, but it's two people who made this game. Uh, they just happen to be German. Except for some of the sound, I think. But so kudos to that duo for the polish on display. I think they spent a long time on it, but it all paid off and it's getting really good reception because uh, it's a good game. And I hope to see more from them. Sick. Andy, Andy sent this to me. I seen it was on Game Pass. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll check that one out next. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, it's definitely on my short list. I got it installed already. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But um, I'm down. Yeah, I'm more excited to play it than I was. And I was already pretty excited to play it. I could see us even having a conversation about the story, like doing a little spoiler segment. But it's up to you guys, obviously. For sure. Which is kind of, it's, it's so refreshing to say that about a survival horror game. Because so many of them these days are just like shit. the barest minimum as a like Silent Hill or Resident Evil uh, inspired game. You know, they just take that and don't don't feel the need to get very in depth. I would say. That's fair. Yeah. Where's this one? Um, did? It did. Especially it's got sci-fi stuff going on. Yeah. You know, me and you can always chew over that. <laughs> Certainly. But yeah, that's it for me. All right, great. Thanks, Flask. Let me look at the time we got here. Oh, we're just right around a right around one hour. Though I guess a few minutes less due to audio issues and all that. So we could, Greg. I don't know if you're feeling like a ten minute round table or a twenty minute. Either way is fine. Oh. We could do your round yeah, table like now or 20. later. Twenty. Okay. Oh, uh, I can do it now. Well, no, no. If you if you want twenty. Then let's go ahead and do a break. We'll be let's back. do a break then. We'll be back with Greg's roundtable. And hey, you know, we've been going for like an hour. Maybe Vito's thought of something to say yet. We might go to Vito. Oh, yeah. I forgot Vito. I've been yet. playing so many video games while you guys are talking. Just to think of something to say. Hey, Vito, I'll just, uh, I'll just give you a hint and a nudge, right? Uh, we didn't watch One Piece this last week, but wink. I don't get it. I've never seen One Piece before. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but it's not My eyes one slowly piece, opened right? when I heard One Piece. It's it's more than one, but it's less than three. It's I like, like one, the idea one, that one, Greg one, one, podcast with his eyes closed. One, one and a half pieces. All right, we'll be back, listeners. Just I'm gonna I'm gonna be a few minutes with Vito. He, he's got to understand this. 
Hey, Vito. Yes, 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 yes. Hold, hold up one finger. Okay. How many? Now, 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 do another finger. Okay. How many fingers do you have? That's two fingers. Okay. Now, what if instead? Now, what if instead you were you were to call your fingers pieces? Right. How many pieces do you have? That's a that's a couple of pieces. Okay, now imagine your two <laughs> fingers were let's say they're they're babies, right? And they were both born in the same day from the same mother. They're what like, would they be? Uh, Pisces? <laughs> or sorry, Gemini. That's Gemini. I was not even going to say Gemini. I just wanted you to mull it over. <laughs> So yeah, all that to say is, is that you can talk about Gemini Man in your round table. Oh, thank yes, God. Alright. I'm gonna go off. Somebody I'm tired to. of pretending <laughs> off. it's not. What is it not? Bad. Is that is Wait, that I mean, good. last movie? No. His last movie was the one that he got the fucking Oscar for. You got an Oscar? Oh yeah, oh, yeah the, the the Williams That's movie, right. King Richard. That's right. King Richard is so good it ruined a man's career. He couldn't take the win. <laughs> right. Welcome back, everybody. We're gonna head into the second half with a little bit of Greg in my life. What have we been doing the last week or so, Greg? Oh, watching One Piece mostly. One Piece. Oh, I caught a little piece? bit of One Piece in the last week. John's not here, so I can't really go into it, but I finished Whole Cake Island. I'm on episode 887. Uh, it was very good. Very good final fight. Very good ending. Uh, I love One Piece. It's great. That's uh, good for <clears throat> Game-wise, uh, I beat Judgment, first off. Nice. Was uh was was pretty good. Um, I'd give it a solid eight out of ten. It's you know the same area of like I'd say Yakuza, maybe Yakuza five, which is like okay, good, not like like okay, okay, maybe slightly above okay, okay, if you know what I mean. Sure, and and f- Judgment oh. is the the property or franchise, whatever, going forward that will have the traditional Yakuza gameplay uh, system. Right? I don't think they're doing Judgment anymore. Oh, no? No, because uh, one of the parts of, like, the deal, I guess, was that they didn't release it on the computer, and then they released it on the computer, so I don't know if, like... I, I mean, maybe they're going to go forward with Judgment, but at least not with the uh, the main character, I don't think. Okay. I thought the whole like arrangement for them now was that Yakuza would be like a dragon and would have the RPG system and then Judgment would have the uh, free roam combat, whatever, brawling. Oh, thing. yeah, I'm sure. I really have no idea okay. what the hell is going on. Um, but it was it was nice. Uh, I liked the uh, the 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 main characters. Uh, there was a lot of good characters. Uh, good music, like always, like when you fight bosses. Uh, cool story. Now I have a question. I have I have a hypothetical for you guys. All right. Sure. All right. You are 
or all right, there's there's a man who has the cure for cancer. He is <laughs> he has it is in damn it. I'm fucked up saying it. All right, so there's a guy who made the cure for cancer. He uh they did the tests on rats and it was successful. All right, like the like all all lab rat or all tests on lab rats came out good. Like this is going to cure cancer if, if it works on humans. Great. Uh, it turns out the guy who made it has been uh, doing human experiments, uh, and he's been—it's been killing people. Once it gets injected in a person, it just outright kills them like crazy. Uh-oh. Uh oh. And then you find out that this man has been working with uh, the yakuza, like to capture, like kidnap people and kill Yikes. them. Uh he's still gonna have the cure for cancer. He's just going to do these human experiments on these bad guys uh, before you know before it like goes out to the public I mean, that don't sound that, that bad though right I was going to ask you when it is done when the cure for cancer is done do you think he is should he be punished for those crimes yeah, yeah definitely human definitely <laughs> but alright so but let's say you find out about this Beforehand. Like he, yeah, beforehand, he hasn't completed it yet. It's still in the clinical trials. Like they haven't gone to human trials yet. Do and you find out he's been kidnapping people and like basically murdering them. I mean, is he I injecting? Think, uh, is he injecting them with his cancer drug? Because it doesn't sound like it's working. Yes, he's. That is what. That is what kills him. That is what kills them. Is it? I mean, it kills well, what he, well, so it works on lab rats, and he's doing this as like. Uh, basically human trials without going to like the public. Right, but it, but so it sounds like what you're telling me is the human trials aren't working. Yes, well, that's what I'm saying. But like he said, he is convinced that it's going to work. Like he, the man himself is like, I'm go, I'm convinced. Like if I test, do more testing, it will be done. Oh well, if he thinks so, then yes. Would you? Do you think that should be stopped? Do you think he should be stopped? Yes. I think the story yes. as I think the story as you're telling me sounds like an insane man who this drug doesn't work. But if if I take the hypothetical that he will eventually get there, then still yes. Yeah, uh, you can't like you you can't just accept a a, a lot of suffering and death. Just because well, guess the what? end result. Some people be... can, and they went to jail for it. Let well, me tell you, the, 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 I brought down the hard fists of the law in judgment. <laughs> you judged them. I judged them, and they were unworthy. Uh, but yeah, that was that was judgment. Let me, let uh, me say a little, a little bit of my, from uh, my background. 95% of drugs that work in animals fail clinical trials. So like the fact oh, do they? that's cool. The that's interesting. The fact that he it, that's a real stab by the way. That's not me just saying it under. Um mm. the fact that he has a drug that works in animals that cures cancer in animals but fucks up humans is not surprising at all. It is the well, reason, the reason why I was, was so, the reason why I was being skeptical is all. Well, I was saying uh for judgment it isn't it isn't cancer, it's uh, Alzheimer's. I was just trying to do a different hypothetical. I feel like cancer is a more I feel uh, prominent thing that people want to get rid of in the world. Funny enough, uh, I would say you're you're correct that cancer is the number one thing, and I might be wrong, well, I was, but I feel I was, like the number two uh, thing is Alzheimer's. Yes, because I was gonna say 
I also found out from Judgment because I was given like a 20 minute PowerPoint slide uh, cutscene that I didn't expect about like one in, I think it's uh, one in like four people are ha- are going to get like basically going to get Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's is going crazy in Japan, apparently. I wish I remember all the stats, but uh, basically like somebody in your family that like your direct family is going to have Alzheimer's like one of your parents or one if you are married to your spouse one of your one of your parents in your spouse like you or your spouse's family is going to have Alzheimer's it was something like that it was crazy and is that a a large That's like a like, plot point. No, but I, what I'm saying is like is oh. that a statistic particular to Japan that like it's it's really prevalent in Japan in particular oh i have no idea i mean the the way they were describing it in the game it was i have no idea if that's true or not okay. but they were saying like oh like hospitals are like filled up with people a lot of people um have to take care of like basically like quit their like lives to take care of uh their like family members whole time it was crazy because i do I know that you know the japanese population is definitely weighted towards older people yeah, the older generation. So just the yeah. fact that there are so many kind of lends itself towards there being a, a high rate of Alzheimer's, perhaps. Yeah, it was it was super. I I really want to look it up again. Uh, but it was very interesting. Uh, learning that I learned a lot of shit playing that game. I will say that's probably the game I learned uh, a lot more shit about than I uh I thought I was gonna. I know a lot about <laughs> Alzheimer's actually, just because of how how uh, well funded it is and how many people are doing research on it. It, it was. What of what a case studies in class were about Alzheimer's. Okay. That's cool as hell. Uh well, if you just know that tell all your buddies that if they do any human experiments with the the Yakuza, I'm going to take them down, all right? I I will I'll send out a group text right now. <laughs> all right. Thank you. <laughs> uh but that judgment, I'll probably play Lost Judgment uh at some point. I don't I just have no idea when. When you um, when you guys say Alzheimer's, you you mean that you you're meaning to say old timers, right? You know, when I was a kid, I used to think Alzheimer's <laughs> was old timers. I was like, oh yeah, he's just got some old timers. Yeah, I think I, I remember being. I think I remember being like seven, and yeah. hearing other kids say that, and and thinking I was better than them, and that they were stupid for saying that. <laughs> you would. Uh, but yeah, judgment. Uh, lost judgment. Whatever. Uh, other games, Breakers. We're still playing that. That game's great. Breakers. Uh, I'm still playing Gotham Knights with Kurt. We're actually almost done with the game. I think we have like two main missions left. Uh, not a lot of bad guys in that game, if you ask me. The uh, they have three prominent villains. Uh, it was Mister Freeze, Clayface, and Harley, and uh, the Court of Owls is like the uh. Like, main, main bad guy group. Hmm. But that's about it. You don't fight any other dudes, I don't think. So that's a bit your, of a bummer. Your opinion changed on that game at all? or? Uh, dude, it's actually getting a lot better. That game is pretty fucking fun with you uh, in co-op. I don't know how it plays solo. I probably wouldn't enjoy it. But playing with Kurt, uh, it's a blast. I like that game a lot. Great. Uh, but yeah, that's I- that. I would have expected them to bring in some villains that are more t- 
tailored to the sidekick characters, to be honest. Like the ones you described are g- general Batman villains, and I I get that they're like they I mean Raj Raj shows up, Talia shows up, but they're like you don't fight them. They're like okay. in like cutscenes. Um, there's like penguins in there also, but you he, you just talk to them. You don't like help them out. It's right. whatever. I just mean like there are a lot of more minor villains out there that had more specific encounters and relationships with these characters, you know, Nightwing, Tim Drake, Robin, uh, Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, stuff like that, that you could probably mm. find and use scrape out of the bottom of the barrel, you know, and have yeah, a little bit of fun I'm, with. I was just surprised. I, I, I mean, that is the surprising. F- fights you do with them are really cool, but like, yeah, you could have done a lot more, a lot more with more people, I guess. But yeah, uh, my last game I want to talk about was a game I kickstarted. Uh, it's called The Store Is Closed. Uh, okay. it is a uh, it's a co-op survival game uh, set in basically an IKEA, uh, but not an IKEA because you're getting sued because it looks like IKEA. I was gonna say, is this uh, the one that IKEA is actually suing? Yes. Okay. Wow. So you are in a infinite furniture store. And uh, there are basically mutant uh, salesmen uh, walking around, and it's basically you just survive in the in this giant uh, furniture store building bases. This sounds sick. Uh, I played about like twenty twenty five minutes. I just walked around because it's it's very uh, like a bare bones alpha. You got okay. You got it because you kickstarted it. It's, it's not yes, yes. Yet. I uh, I kickstarted it, so I got into the alpha of the game. Uh, you can't buy it yet. But I, it's very, I like the, I like the idea and it's, uh, like just wandering around and seeing like all the workers wandering around. It's, it was pretty creepy or very uh, unsettling. I guess you could say when you like climb up a staircase to go in the food court and you look out and you just see nothing but furniture and walls, uh, as far as the eye can see. This is cool. It's an infinite infinite furniture store i'm looking at like the the overheads of some of the maps and it's just like yeah, a, a maze the, like like an ikea there's That's other funny. levels there's uh i guess like basement like scp uh laboratories inside oh and what oh, but it's is this gonna um, have yeah. some sort of story like the forest uh, or something or is it just i maybe i'm not 100 percent. i just think right now it's like a survival game in a uh for in in an ikea Build towers to the sky to find a way out. I'm looking at this photo of a big freaking tower made out of like pallets or something. That's interesting. It's cool. Yeah, it's very uh it's pretty cool. Uh I'm excited for this game when it comes as like, you know, it gets further developed. I uh I, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh following cool. the guy on uh I think he's on Twitter. I'm sure he's on Twitter. Yeah, just to clarify, uh Ikea did not sue this guy, but no, sorry, it's a cease and desist. Uh, Basically, they did not to like, hey, stop making this. It was more to like, hey, change the the stuff. Let's change the stuff. So it doesn't look like you're in an Ikea. Which I'm like, which he said, hey, I'll do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he has to do that basically because he's just some indie developer who doesn't want to. I'd like to see him. Turn oh, everything like to like a weird green. I feel like that would make it like a weird. Just just make everything green. Maybe yeah, like everything yellow, like IKEA like. Just make it like oh, a weird okay. green. I gotcha. 
So that would be uh, that's like mutiny, green mutant. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I got. Oh wait, no shit! I have one more. Oh my god. Boy. Uh, I beat Medieval Two finally. Uh, I actually only took me like two other hours to be, and most of that time I was stuck uh, boxing an uh, an iron slugger, as they say. I was in a boxing match. Yeah, you basically uh, you collect body parts, you put them together, and then you box like uh, a robot in like a little fighting game. I see. Uh, game is pretty short. I don't remember it being that short, but it was still pretty fun. I uh. I loved that game when I was a kid. I hope they remake uh remake it or remake the second one. That's nice. all I got. That's okay, it. Cool. Now I'm done. Done, done, put a fork in it, he's done. But hey, you know what who's not gonna use a fork? Probably some barbarian who eats with his hands like Vito. Oh yeah. Um, oh Vito's not barbarian? No, I did not see it. But I do, no, he's I, he's I, I he's. My hands. To be clear, listeners, when I said barbarian, I meant like the movie, not like a Viking barbarian. Um, <clears throat> hello everybody. Hi. I haven't done uh, I haven't done too much this week. I've been working a lot. Um, I did buy God of War Ragnarok, and I played like the first hour of it. Uh, today. Like, That's that new one, ain't it? That is that new one. Um, so far, it's got a pretty sweet opening. And I don't really have anything to say about the game other than... Um, this is a spoiler alert, I guess? It's probably what? not even a spoiler alert about a voice actor for a character. This is not... I'm, I'm being way too serious about it. I don't think anybody cares about it. I don't care. Uh, well, I know you don't. Vito, so, I'm sure somebody out there cares. Okay, I just want to make sure. You know, I want to air it out so that anybody can mute their their podcast if they care. But Andy, uh, Odin is modeled and voice acted by uh, Richard Schiff. Really, Toby Toby Ziegler. I was I was so surprised. He like walks in. I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, that looks like fucking Toby Ziegler. And they you know, start for, talking uh, like that's fucking Toby Ziegler. On that note, for completely unrelated reasons we won't disclose on the podcast, we were looking at cameos. Um he's on there. Dude. I wonder if he's on there as uh Toby Ziegler or, or as Odin. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like they'll do whatever you want. Like you give it a money, yeah. like I'm pretty sure he does exclusively Toby Ziegler, it's and like, he will no, not. I will absolutely not fucking do it. It's beneath me. Video game voice acting. I will only do Toby Ziegler. You know, Vito, um, I figured this could not possibly be the thing you were going to say, but uh, I noted that. Oh, also, I, I... Um, uh, Kratos dies. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> what were you saying for us? Kratos dies? Yeah. That's not a spoiler though, right? Like like right at the beginning? Yeah, but that's, uh, that's it. It's, it's, short, it's a short, like eight short video times game. in every game. Short video game. I didn't want to know. 
I hope yeah, when I think, you go back think, to play, like Kratos dies immediately, and you play as uh, the kid for right. the rest of the game. I'm pretty yeah, sure. I'm pretty sure he's, he's taking you for a bit. Flask. It's like what an MGS two say, situation. They did it again. I was gonna say that uh, this couldn't possibly be what you were gonna say, but uh, I noted that Sung Wan Cho, uh, aka Pro ZD, did a voice and mocap for this game, which I was like, whoa, hey. I don't know him. any of the words you just said. I saw that. I He's saw that on uh, uh, Twitter earlier. Yeah, he was a like a skit guy. Uh, I forget was he on Vine, but whatever. He was. He's a YouTube guy. Um, and he's in the game. Funny, funny yeah. guy. Uh, and so he's a voice actor. Also, that's like his main thing, the voice acting. But uh, I was like, good for him. He kind of like you know, he's up. He is now doing big games like this. Nice. Yeah. I think that's always cool to see. Yeah, it's the opposite of uh, Richard Schiff. Right, coming down to the level coming of video down. games. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, also, Ben Stiller is playing Kratos in this one. They, mm-hmm. they I did see that. They, yeah, you shot the commercial. You should make that a skin. Or someone, if one comes to <laughs> oh the computer, God, I'm sure be a, it'll be a skin. <laughs> that would be a fucking funny skin. Um, other than that, I've been playing a lot of uh, Gungeon. Har- harnessing my, my gun skills. Recently got to uh, chamber number five for the first time. Whoa. So that was pretty cool. Um, I really, really like this game, The Gungeon. I've just been playing it. It's just a game that I've been playing for you know a while. I talk about it every now and then on the pod. Um, I do got to say, though, the runs, like as far as like roguelikes go, uh, the runs are too long in this game. And uh, I think progress is just too slow and like or like hidden. I mean, the hidden stuff's fine, but progress is just too slow. Um, I mean, I'll always compare shit to Hades because that's like the goat roguelike in, in my experience. Um, Man has never played with Swanky 2 listeners. I think I have. Did I? I played a little bit of that. You right? have played Swanky 2. Uh, I played like one hour of it. I do own it. Uh, maybe that'll be next. But um. Yeah, progress is just too slow. Like, I, I have... Oh, how many hours do I have? I have... Huh, that's a lot less than I thought. But I have, I have 30 hours, and I haven't really progressed anything in, like, the main, like, path, or whatever that's supposed to be. Um, I am learning some stuff. Um, we played... Just briefly, we played Dermatide 2 at a new update the other day, which was surprising because uh, it's an older game and Dark Tide's coming out, but they did come out with a new, like, uh, it's, a, it's a two-part uh, act in, like, a winter setting. We played a little bit of that. You said Vermintide 2, right? Vermintide 2, yeah. yeah. That uh, that also recently went free on... Yes. Yeah. yeah, it went it went free to claim for like the weekend, I think. Um and I think we all owned it, so none of us that played Actually, had I, to... I claimed it, but I still haven't played the second one. Gotcha. Well, I'm I'm down to play. I mean, it's it's a great game. We had a lot of fun. I have not played that much of that game, but what I have was has been fun. Um yeah, we had the we who had played um just recently, we had all owned it. But the free to play reminded us that the game existed, and uh, it came like uh, at this, around the same time as this big update. So uh, we cool. played a little bit of that. That was cool. 
Uh, we played a little bit of that Deep Rock Galactic update, the uh, the newest season, um, with these uh, lithophage outbreaks. Has John or anybody talked about this update previously? I don't think, I don't think so. so. Right? This like just I, don't, I can't remember DRG in recent conversation. It just came out. Yeah, oh, well, we played a bit, a little bit of that. Um, that's fun. The new, as far as I could see, I think there was only like one new game mode type. Yeah, I only played like two games, so I don't I don't have a ton to say about it. Yeah, seems, I think there's just the one. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting. There's like uh, like parts of the map are like infected with this like virus or whatever, and uh, you have to spray it with foam, and then another player has to grab like there's a foam gun and there's like a vacuum cleaner thing, and someone has to foam it and someone has to like vacuum it off. That's kind of it. So um, Splatoon, a 100% like Splatoon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit like Splatoon. Um, and then there's like a bunch of new enemy types, uh, like infected versions of uh, Praetorians and grunts and shit. Uh, yeah, so we'll play some more of that soon. Okay. And uh, the boys finished two-piece. Which boys? Us boys. What do you mean by two-piece? Oh. <laughs> no, it we, was great. We, we all finished. We finished uh, Twin Peaks. We finished the whole everything. We finished Twin Peaks season three. Um, and I'm sure we will do a podcast on all of it soon. I still really want to do that. I really want to. You gotta find a couple hours to, and just talk about Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what's yeah. a good thing to say now, but we we finished it, and um, man. Uh, the ending really just fucking threw me for a loop. It was a total gut punch. And, um, yeah, I was just like shocked by the ending. I don't know if I've been like shocked like that from, from an ending of a TV show, uh, shock, like tinged with like a little bit of disappointment even. And, um, then I just sat with it for a couple days and just kept thinking about it um obviously you know did a bunch of research to try to get answers for the things that i didn't understand um some fan theories etc and i just I, I feel a lot better about it now i feel i feel great about it actually i think it was just you went such on a, a great, peyote quest yeah just a just a really great season um and i i, I really wouldn't change anything about the ending i thought it was great and uh just it's just on my mind still same um i've definitely thought about twin peaks every day since we watched it yeah for real like i want to rewatch it i don't know if i will but i really want to rewatch it um at the very least i kind of want to rewatch even just season three uh because season three was just like next level next fucking level and season one and a half i thought were great and at the time, I was like, this is fucking fantastic TV. And after season three, I'm like, oh, my God. Now, that's fucking art right there. Um, just David Lynch just really being David Lynch. Uh, shit was really good. I think it's very probably my favorite show of the 2010s. That's a big one. Yeah, I mean, for me, without a doubt, I don't even know what I would compare it to. It's just not, it's just another level. It's just it's like a movie. It's cin- it's cinema, the eighteen part movie. Um, 
yeah, it, it, it reaches beyond like regular television. It's just uh, the way it incorporates music and yeah, dude. Uh, it's pacing. Style. It's just, yeah. Vibe. You guys are still talking about One Piece or Twin Peaks? No, we're not talking about One Piece at all. I would be saying, John, I'd, be, One Piece, I'd be cursing right now if I was talking about One Piece. I'd be saying very nasty things. Why? Um, One Piece is like cinema. It's over a thousand <clears throat> episodes of, it's like a thousand part movie. Well, I feel like you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, a thousand part movie. I feel I feel like you you've been fairly coy about your your thoughts on how the series ended. Not so much coy, just I mean, we talked about it a little bit after finishing the final episode, but not not intentionally coy or anything like that. I just it didn't affect me as much as you guys, even though I still thought the show was very artful and enjoyable to watch, and the best season of Twin Peaks of television. I liked a lot of stuff about it. I enjoyed watching it with you guys. All that good stuff. Uh, it just didn't like impact me on the level that it did for you two. So I don't. I don't have that much like going out of my head about it. Yeah. Um, I would still, you know, attend a conversation, but it would probably be you guys leading it. Um, oh, for sure. I. I mean, you definitely got to be there for that. Yeah. 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 I did. Yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm comfortable with just being. You know. Having enjoyed it and uh, understanding that, you know, I'm not as like, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, wild, enthused, or, or, or enraptured, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah. It's a good show. Yeah. I mean, I could talk about it forever, but I think uh, I'll save it, save it for a, a full length pod. Where we really break down. I don't know how we'll do it. We'll we'll do maybe two separate pods or maybe just one big pod. But uh, a series of eighteen to, to really dig in. We should. Uh, man, I know this is adding a lot of time, but it would be kind of funny if we rewatched the pilot immediately before the pod, just to like remind us what season one was. <laughs> uh. But no, I feel yeah. I, I think you perfectly captured my my thoughts on it, Vito. I think we're silent because Andy just posted a, a gift from. The <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering the what the fuck. Where, what is the scene from this guy? I remember in this the, dude in, this, in, this, in high school. He slams his locker and then does a little dance and then like robot walks away. I do not remember this from the show. Is this actually from the show? Yeah, quite Lynchian, my dear. It's quite Lynchian, my dear. Quite lynching my dear. Yeah. Lynch through that one and And you know, you think about quotes like David Lynch talking about the original series and how the only thing he was truly proud of was the pilot, and you think this is probably why, right? That's gotta be why. Is that from you the never pilot? Topped it. That show? Yeah. That, that scene? Yeah, I mean uh, that's definitely it then. It's when he was at his lynchiest. That's just character. That's just good characterization, right there. You're wondering <laughs> who is that guy. That's like how John and Greg talk about One Piece. Like, you see someone in the background, you want to know more about that guy. Like, who the fuck's that fucking oh, weirdo? What if that's Judy? That's definitely Jow Jow Day. Jow Day. And now this is very interesting to think about. 
you know that that's basically all I have this week. Um, I just I want to mention I don't, this is a weird actually. Hmm. Um, we don't have. Oh, never mind. I'll save it for the news. It's a, it's a news story. All right. Okay. News. Oh, that's happening right now. Oh, news, okay. news, news. Oh boy, news, 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 news. news. All right, where's the chanting? Sorry, you know John's I, I was gonna say here. John's not here. I'm feeling pretty. I'm feeling pretty low energy without my bud. John's usually raising the banner on the on the news jingle. Just fucking kidding. News, 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 news. All right, now I feel good. That was good. Toho announces new Godzilla work of unspecified format for next November, which will greatly appeal to podcasters like me who watched uh, all of the Toho or all the Godzilla Same. stuff. I know Vito did Same. too. I think you're forgetting me as well. Yeah, so, Vito, Vito definitely yeah. did that too. You guys just rocked them out one after another over the past year. I was really impressed when I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, setting the rule to watch a Godzilla film after every episode of Twin Peaks really just kept us honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, me speaking as not, you know, not a long-time Godzilla viewer, but someone who's seen some of the recent movies because of the aforementioned Twin Peaks after-party viewing experience. Right. Um, yeah, I am I am excited to see what Toho's going to do because the last thing they did was they allowed... Ano to make Shin Godzilla, which is maybe my favorite Godzilla film as a film. Right. Uh, and they seem to be in a place where they're not looking to just exploit the character of Godzilla, you know, the property, without having something to really do with it, you know? So hopefully that means that it'll be quality and it won't just be some kind of cash grab. Because why, why do it all of a sudden if you don't have something in mind, you know? And we don't we don't even know that's a movie, obviously, but um, probably unless it's just another series. I feel a TV series. You think so? I have a I have a feeling. But like at least like a live action one and not just another like animated thing. Hmm. Because they're like announcing it. So I was like, oh, we're doing this thing. I would hope I would hope that it's like some kind of big thing, whether I I hope it's a big thing. That's not just like a cash grab. You know, uh, uh, like uh, <laughs> like other things on yes. on the docket this week. Oh, okay, gotcha. Including Gears of War. You, <laughs> Vita, you've heard about this one, right? Oh, uh, oh yeah. The video game franchise is going to get a feature film and an animated series adaptation at Netflix. I thought we kind of already knew about a feature film, maybe. It was rumored a bunch of times. I feel like a feature I mean, film I thought, has been I, one of those I used things. to hear about that in like school, dude. Yeah, dude. Like when we were in high since, school. Yeah, since literally, Gears of War came literally, out. Literally since 2007, about. there's been a Gears film project. <laughs> I always love seeing like the, the, the fantasy cast for these things. Uh, recently, I just saw... Well, I, everyone's, you know, calling for fucking Batista as Marcus. I mean, that yeah, kind of well, makes sense. Batista is now like an in-game character, though. Like he can't. He he's not an, an in game character though, right? He was just a multiplayer skin. He's a multiplayer skin. Yeah, he's not a he's not a character. He's a multiplayer he skin was himself. for Marcus to be exactly. Oh, he was? He okay. Was, he was, okay. Yeah, he was just like himself. But I um, think there was a mode that you could replace Batiste in the campaign. Yeah. Uh, I think for so. Marcus. Yeah. 
I saw Ryan Gosling as Bez Baird. Uh, a lot of people were saying that. I thought that was funny. I never. I don't know. Baird, I haven't I thought about John, who I John, would, John I Cena as Baird. Oh, that's a good. Yeah, I like John Cena as Baird. That's a that's a great casting, actually. Dwayne Johnson is cool. Are we just doing all wrestlers? Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <here? laughs> well, well, yeah, dude. Who else is going to be in a Gears of War film? Stone Cold is oh, Dom. I know. Let's get Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> to play Dom. Oh, that's a good one. I was joking. No, we're going to get Stone Cold. Can we? No, I think... I think Stone uh, Cold Dom. We're going to get Triple D will come out of retirement. Actually, no, 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 no. You guys... Greg's right. We need some balance. We're going to get Keegan-Michael Key to play Dom. That's a good one. Can we? I like all. I like all of these. Um, we could get a uh, fuck. What's her name? Zendaya as the Locust Queen. Oh man, I was gonna say somebody else just now. Zoe Deschanel. I was gonna say who's who's uh that oh Anne Hathaway. <laughs> Let's get Anya just... Taylor Joy as Furiosa to play the Queen. <laughs> She's playing oh, Furiosa, yeah. playing the queen. Yeah, bold. But there's also going to be an animated series. That's, I mean, that's kind of cool. Maybe, uh, I mean, Cyberpunk was good. Maybe this would be cool. I, I'm, I'm honestly cool with both these things, so long as they kind of follow the original vibe and story of Gears of War and not what it's become. I don't have any faith that they'll do that at all. But I, you know, a Gears of War movie, I think, would be sick. I think it's a cool story. Cool yeah, sci-fi story. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying Gears of War games haven't had good story, but like Gears of War for me is like such a gameplay game. Like where I put it in my brain is like a gameplay game. You know what I mean? Like I feel like it's it's. I mean, a lot of on the spectrum of games that I that would be interested in seeing adapted some other medium. Gears of War is not even really anywhere close because I feel like Gears of War is something you play, not something you watch. And I don't and I, like. I feel like just play. I I feel like who who the fuck would ever play Gears of War for the story? It's not that good. It's good, but it's not that good. You know what I mean? All right. I'm really. I'm just really glad John's not here to fucking hear you say all this bullshit. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I I agree. It's not like some fucking maybe, maybe not even the story's story, way to but... put it. It's like the world building. Like I don't feel like the world building was enough for me to like feel like I want to see like oh fuck. How did the cog handle things before Marcus? Uh yeah, I don't know. I I I disagree a little bit just because I always thought the world in Gears of War was really cool, and more so, I just really like like the the vibe of the campaign in Gears of War one, two, and even even three. Um, and I could see that I could see that transferring through the big screen. Fair enough. I forget. Is that world also called Pandora? Yeah, something like that. Not it's not Earth. It's called Pam Dora, actually. Pam Dora. Vito's right. right. It is something like that, but it's not. I I don't know. I actually just googled and I can't find it. But it's not. Yeah, it's some other name. Not Earth. I thought it was like Sarah. 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 I knew. I knew it wasn't like Earth and Sarah. An hour universe. It's some other universe where they have like fucking. Hammers of Dawn 
laser beams that come out of satellites, but they don't have like uh, cell phones they have and the internet. Giant and shit. worms that shoot out of the build and like swallow cities. All right, what else we got on I'm this glad docket? We don't have those. All right, Square Enix has announced Symbiogenesis, a playable. It's everybody NFT collectible art. Did project. you see this? No, 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 no. It's uh, it's what? What the hell is that game flask? We were hoping it was. Uh, Parasite, Parasite Eve. Eve. Yeah, it's Parasite Eve. It's not NFT collection. No, 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 no. That's bad. Oh, did they reverse it again? They they were no. like, oh wait, oh, just kidding. Oh, it really is a playable. NFT That'd be cool. Collection, or playable NFT yeah. or project, whatever the fuck that means. Dude, I uh, this sucks. This is not what I expected. I expected a Parasite Eve like something. I was kind of happy not, uh, when I saw that all the developers were pulling out of. NFTs like there was a moment earlier this year where it seemed like everybody was hitting was hitting the eject button. I guess Square yeah. just isn't yet. <laughs> I think maybe Square is just on really the decline. Like we're seeing them really just fall apart. You might be right, which is unfortunate. It's wild to me because you guys weren't. <clears throat> it wasn't unique that you guys were speculating this was Parasite Eve, right? That was like no. most people were thinking. Because Square, yeah, a lot of people were thinking that. So it's wild to me that has to do. Yeah. It might, it's wild to me that you might have a marketing team, like a team of people whose job it is to handle shit like this. And like they're not seeing all over the Internet that people are really <laughs> excited that it's it's something that you're not doing. And instead, you're about to drop an NFT, which, you know, is unpopular and you don't think to. I don't know, man, like just hide it, like don't maybe don't announce it after all. Maybe maybe switch things up a little bit. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Did it's because they're with, Japanese uh, hey, or... This just, wasn't that great. I don't know. I guess I don't I, know what you'd do. I guess you'd have to announce something if you said you were going to announce something. But. No, I'd be like, hey, we didn't think this was up to Yeah, stuff. we didn't th- We yeah. didn't see it. We didn't think this so, through. Sorry, we'll have something to show you soon. And then, like, have one of your, like, graphic design guys uh, set up some Shim Sham uh, showing, like, shim some sham. skin monster or something. <laughs> The fact that they were so out of touch in the first place to not recognize that people would think it was Parasite Eve. Like, what was going through their heads? Why name it that if it wasn't going to be about Parasite Eve or something related? That's such a strange name. It's pretty specific. Halo Infinite has finally added campaign co-op and Forge, among other things. Uh, however, Forge is in beta mode and it's always online, and it it'll kick you for inactivity without saving. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did see that. Dude, how how do they keep doing it? I don't, how do they I keep don't adding really, stuff and then making it shitty? Yeah. Well, there's there's like a lot more going on here. So they yeah they added the campaign co op. Um, you know, online only. Obviously, they they canceled split screen do we have to pay for that or is that on game pass can we it's play on that? it's on game pass yeah we should play that they added the forge we know that it, there's no custom browser they they sell told us that ahead of time it's coming in a couple months or something like that um i was seeing that people are joining like custom games via like xboxes um i didn't even know this existed there's some sort of like 
like the community, like that community thing. It's like, st- like there's like a tab where you could like start a group or like re- like a. I guess you could look for groups who who are are wanting players, and you could just like join a game, huh. um, through like the Xbox interface. I don't know. I have to look into that. Um, but uh, I've been looking at like the Forge maps. They're looking pretty fucking sweet. I mean, this Forge is is the most complex Forge to come out. Um, and people are saying like you could make like like full games inside of it with all the scripting and shit. That the only thing it doesn't have. I mean, you could build items. I think. But the only thing it doesn't have is like you can't bring in your own assets. But you know, there's like rumors uh, that eventually didn't that, that guy might... make like Toy Story in Halo and Forge in the in the newest one. I, I'm not sure. I yeah, didn't, I didn't some s- guy made like a toy. I'll look that up. I, I mean, you you could build objects in the Forge, but I, cool. I mean to say like you can't like port your own assets in yet. But I think that's rumored to be something on the way. But anyway, it just seems oh, wow. really fucking cool already. People are making some cool things um, that I think kind of blow any of the maps that we used to play on the Forge right out the water. Um, I would hope that it would be kind of impressive at this point, you know? It, it's really God impressive, forbid, actually. I'm actually less impressive than previous I'm, Forges. I'm actually pretty fucking excited. I'm still probably not going to pick up this game anytime soon because the Forge apparently is still buggy. Um they still haven't fixed any of this desync shit, all of these network problems that people are having. And they don't even know, they don't seem to know like what it is. It's just like a large web of issues, of network issues um, that are probably just because of, you know, 343 is just this contract company where people are coming and going and leaving spaghetti code everywhere. So it's just really embarrassing they they so the the new update they dropped two new maps they're forge made maps they're made by the by the devs in the forge hmm, okay. um but they already took one out of uh matchmaking because it was bugged <laughs> um, oh my goodness yeah it was, it was causing it was causing people to have to their game to crash and they would have to reboot like their system to you know sick it, yeah so uh, I don't know how that gets past testing. Um, I, I just feel like with every step forward they take, like they take like half a step back or something. It's just oh, for sure, really embarrassing. Um, but the forge is really promising, and I hope that they'll get all the other shit just in order, maybe by next year. Yeah, this Toy Story thing that uh, Greg posted is pretty amazing. Pretty uh, wild. Yeah, see, this looks like somebody did bring, like, assets in. I don't know how you build Mr. Potato Head and shit like that, but that is fucking, that is wild. This map of Andy. Yeah, Andy's like, room. I saw this. Uh, there was another one I saw. Um, like, someone made, like, the Hobbit house from uh, Lord of the Rings. This is insane. Uh, I think, yeah, like, given when all, like, the bugs are fleshed out, uh, I think it'd be cool going to, going into this. I mean, the whole custom games. Yeah, I think the I mean, hope be- in general for Infinite would be that it has a long tail, that things are just consistently and constantly ironed out over the course of the next. Yeah, few hopefully. Years. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's like you know they iron it out and people. This is what brings people back into Halo. The thing I'm worried about is that it seems like everything they add, no matter how little, causes some other problem that's like unforeseen to them, and I think it's just because. Like the back end, you know, 
their code is just these like fragmented pieces that like don't work together. Nobody, they don't know themselves, like, you know, how the back end of, of Halo, of the system that they built works. Mm-hmm. So I'm just worried about the longevity when you're building game on top of that, you know? Like they're playing Jenga with their code. <laughs> yeah, like think they're going to add shit that's going to break old shit. Um, cause that's, that's what seems to be happening. Every time they release an update, it just breaks something. Um, yeah. I don't know, maybe I'll install it soon and we could try. Oh, that's another thing I heard about the Forge is that um, it's really cool what you could do with it. It's, it's seriously impressive. Like the possibilities are near endless, but it's it's not the forge that we're used to. Um, I think Halo Five came out with a forge that was a little less intuitive and also more complex. And this one is uh, like a lot more so. It's, it's apparently it's it's not very intuitive. It takes um, like you have to really sit down and learn how the system works. And the controls maybe are a little clunky and you're just going to be like, you know, even doing like simple things, like you're going to have to sift through like a bunch of menus and lists of items and things. So it's definitely seems like it's less user friendly than that original forge. But I mean, I guess that makes sense, you know. Yeah, but I wonder if that's I wonder if that's a necessity of how much more complex it is or if that's another example of. That's what I'm just not designing stuff well. That's what I'm saying. Like, could this be better? You know, and certainly that will hurt like the the overall library of forge maps, right? If it's if they're harder to make, there'll be less of them. Hmm. So you got like diehards making ridiculous stuff and crazy map, but it's less accessible to the casuals. Yeah, right. How are you supposed to RP when it doesn't feel good? That's what I'm saying. So yeah, cool stuff, but... All I care about, does anybody actually want to play the campaign co-op? I'd play it. Okay, we got Greg on the list. Anybody else? I, I don't I mean, I'd, like, really have in if you guys were doing it. I don't, yeah, I don't have any interest to play it again other than if like you guys are online and I could just hop right in. Then I would yeah, do that, maybe. I guess. But um, I'm telling you, it was not... It was not a fun campaign. Uh, I'm Vito because you were playing by yourself. No, I think I, I think still. I, you know, I'd love I'd love for you guys to play it and be like, oh no, nah, we we had a great time. Um, but it's just a really fucking boring campaign. Really bland. A lot of a lot of like samey levels and stuff. I'm sure the I'm sure the parts where you're roaming around like the free world. In your warthogs and stuff, that would be fun, but um, you're I don't, still gonna I don't have disagree. to go into. It's just like I don't know. You just you're almost describing like most of the games we play as a group, almost. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try it out. I want to see what you guys think. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to mull it over to like think about that because now that I'm thinking more about it, maybe it would be fun to get back into it just because of the co-op aspect. Obviously, it's fun with friends, you know, to to do whatever, but. I'll have to really mull that over. Yeah. All right. Mick Gordon has released a statement regarding Doom Eternal. 
those of you longtime podcast listeners and gamer fans will remember this story. Um, because I feel like we've talked about it before. Talked about it a few times. Just as a few years ago, Marty Stratton, the lead over there at id Software, uh, posted a scathing criticism of Mick Gordon, the composer of the original Doom soundtrack, and also some of Doom Eternal soundtrack, slash most of it maybe, um, basically saying that Mick was not easy to work with, he was unreasonable, etc., etc., etc. He's literally the reason the game got delayed. Um, yeah. And this was in response to Mick originally saying that he wasn't going to work with it again and that and revealing that he's he's only responsible for like 12 of the tracks from the the soundtrack. Right. So everyone who's interested in the story should, of course, just look into it themselves and read the medium post that Mick Gordon outlined, which is quite extensive, very long post. Um, that sort of trails the history of, uh, what happened leading up to that Reddit post and what happened afterwards. So the gist is, is that he has a lot of evidence that first off there was work that he did that he was just straight up not paid for. So obviously that's just, if, I mean, he claims to have evidence and the fact that id Software wanted to settle with him indicates that he's correct. Um, yeah, so maybe that's the thing. Maybe that's there's just a lot to digest here, but maybe that's the angle to go yeah. at. Is that basically he approached id and was like, hey, look, this post really fucked up my reputation. It's also very wrong, and provably so. And I can prove that I wasn't paid for this, and I can like prove all these other allegations about how... Marty mishandled the timeline about how uh, Mick had been warning him about this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and id Software's reaction was to basically offer him a settlement. Um, but where things seemed to have boiled over in that settlement, which was a six-figure sum, to never mention the Reddit post again, is that Mick basically said, I'm not signing anything that doesn't include him at least deleting the Reddit post and ideally apologizing. Uh, and anyway, that's kind of where the legal shenanigans more or less stopped. Um, it, it offered to settle again after that, uh, but with a condition that basically untenable conditions, like you will never mention the Reddit post again. Uh, if anybody ever a asks you about the game again, uh, you'll say uh, no comment, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Man. That being yeah, said, wild. this statement here is, that was posted is like 11 pages. Medium says it's like an hour-long read. Um, and it was clearly, clearly vetted by a lawyer. Like, it uses specific legalese and includes like a list of definitions at the top. Like, the very first statement is is a legal statement. This statement is issued in response to XYZ post on this day. Uh, and there's like a, a whole bunch of like weird legal statements that are in there. Like this is this post is meant to be read as a defense, not uh, an attack. That kind of thing. So anyway, I mean, God. If true, 
if all this stuff is true, like, that's really fucking ugly. But even if it's the very base thing that there was a lot of work uh, that he did that his name is on and was released without his permission that he wasn't paid for, that's pretty egregious. Yeah, that's... Yeah. And he said that this all kind of ruined his reputation and... Yeah. You know, it's probably a lot of loss of work from all of this. That's crazy. They offered him a six-figure, like, settlement. He calls it hush money. And he and then he refused it. Yeah, to me, that, that like, I don't know, above all else, that is, like, such a point of, like, personal confidence, right? Like, it's like... That's what I mean, yeah. If he... I don't know. You almost want to just say if he was lying or if he had just, you know, fucked up, then he could just take the six figures and fuck off, you know what I mean? But, I mean, I think he he correctly, I think he correctly reasons that his career is probably worth more than six figures if he can regain his reputation. Yeah, and I think that that's definitely like a no-brainer. Yeah, for sure. I agree. These are not equivalent uh, situations. There's so much different about both of them, but it just brought to mind how recently with the uh, the Helena Taylor Bayonetta three yeah for uh, sure. controversy debacle thing, and how her granted everyone's different, but her reaction post the receipts coming out and the responses and the things about oh here's what's really going on. Helena was misrepresenting the facts. Her response after the fact was to be like, I just want to move past this. You know, I want to move past that part of my life. Right. Um, I don't want to, you know, cause any more trouble. And that reads as a lack of personal confidence. Like you're saying, it, it reads as if she wants to get rid of that. Uh, any sort of lens on her, any sort of focus on on the things that she may have misrepresented. Right. Uh, she doesn't even want to engage with it anymore. Whereas this to me. I mean, anyone could be just fucking lying, but this to me reads, as you said, of like him feeling like he has his receipts in order. Uh, this whole, I mean, this whole 11 page, uh, yeah, legalese document. And, uh, I mean, hopefully he's, he's telling the absolute truth and, and, but I mean, hopefully he's telling the truth, but also damn, that sucks if he is, you know? Yeah. Um, but it does read that way. Like, because he seems like unwilling to compromise. Yeah. And you know, I didn't want to get too granular about it, but it goes into spaces. Like there was even like points well after the game was released where they were like in negotiations to maybe fix the doom eternal OST. Um, but it, it all just fucking turned into like, a, it seems like almost like an ego thing or a pride thing where, uh, Marty just really couldn't, it ever admit that he was wrong. He couldn't ever delete that Reddit post. There's a little side part of this story that involves Mick contacting a, a Reddit, long after trying to work it out with Marty, contacting a Reddit moderator for that subreddit to have the post taken down. And it was taken down for somewhere around 12 hours uh, before another moderator reinstated it. But as a result of it being taken down for 12 hours, apparently he got like a very... Um, strongly worded message from Marty or his lawyer basically saying there was no, not ever going to be an amicable re- resolution to this. <laughs> Jeez. Real, real, real fucking nasty shit. Anyway, you know, that came out, what, today? Earlier today? 
a few hours ago and it started blowing up Reddit. So you know the way these things work is you post a big statement like that to get the media attention. The media is going to be writing articles tonight. And probably by next week we'll have some other update, maybe a response from it or something. Let me just ask. I don't remember all the details of the Reddit post. Um, in retrospect, if you look at it through this kind of this new lens of what Mick is saying, does it seem a little over the top to have kind of come clean, come out with this this uh, scathing takedown of of Mick Gordon at like from a professional standpoint? Does it now seem unnecessarily open and scathing? Definitely. I have not reread it since reading this, so I, I, I can't honestly say, but like I was thinking about the professional argument and I think that when there's a major thing like a huge delay or like a, ne- a super negative audience reaction to something, like the audience reaction to the Eternal LST, I think that you either have to own it up and take the you know difficult pill to swallow of losing a little bit of your personal reputation and recognizing that you mm-hmm. fucked up or if you can plausibly redirect the the ire towards somewhere else, you do that. Throw someone out of the bus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe mm. maybe there is more to it, but it does. And I, and I and I should go back and reread that post with this new information in mind. But it's easy to think that it's a throwing one under the bus type scenario. Yeah. And for what it's worth, you know, we've seen this kind of thing throughout the years. And I feel like oftentimes you can read through the list of claims and smell some bullshit. Like the, I don't know, the um, Helene Taylor thing is a great example where, like, it just seemed really weird that she was only getting offered, like, 5K. Like, I believed it when I saw Mm. that just because I'd never, ever underestimate the, the evils of capitalism and all that. But, like... It made it, it just felt like it made a lot more sense when you got more details. All I'm saying is that when I read through the the Mick thing, it didn't really set off any like bullshit indicators like that's hard to believe or sure. um you know, you that's a big statement, that kind of thing. It all seems like very reasonable corporate evils that happen. Project managers miss misheld a time schedule, not everybody is talking to each other, and then twelve fourteen months into a project when things are going off the rails. Somebody is blamed for it, even though that person warned them that things would go off the rails if they kept doing what they were doing. I'm also maybe just like personally inc- more inclined to believe evils of management over Evil, one person decides person. to wreck their career by being a dick. Yeah. Like for no reason. Especially somebody who had who had everything to gain from like another successful OST release. You know what I mean? Like Right. That's like his thing, the yeah. Doom OST. And uh, God, you got me going on it now. That that original post, like Sorry. talking about Mick giving these like crazy timetables and stuff. Like he's a professional composer. He made the original games OST. He knows how long it takes to make music and what he needs to to make it. You know what I mean? It does seem mm-hmm. kind of fishy, even in retrospect. Uh, when you phrase it like that, that's a good point. But of course, before we have this context you can always read something like that as just you know sometimes people are incompetent even people who are really good at their jobs so yeah 
And as always, it's like he said, she said. You know? I hope our listeners Just, uh, really enjoy the he said, she said breakdowns because <laughs> more developments in the Disco Elysium. Um, I guess ongoing IP battle between between Kervitz, Rostov, and the now owners of ZAUM. ZAUM has confirmed that former employees were fired for misconduct. The studio confirms instances of a toxic workplace environment, verbal abuse, gender discrimination from dismissed employees. Um, basically citing, citing this as reasons that Robert Kurvitz was, was thrown out of the company, uh, etc. And we've, and, and I'm not giving a lot of context. We've talked about this before and it's our last story for the night. So if you don't care about the story, good night. Um, but if you are listening to the Discalism stuff, there's that. And in response, or I don't know if in response or if like, it kind of seemed like these two things came out simultaneously. Um, really did. Maybe there was some development in court where they both were like, oh, we're going to court or we're going to the fucking public now. Uh, Kurvitz and Rostov released a post on Medium outlining their vision of events on a capital level. Uh, as in how the money flowed from this person to that person. And then when it finally got into the hands of these two fellows, well, one of which, <clears throat> as we reported earlier, was the first man in a Sony to be convicted for uh, defrauding investors. <clears throat> when it got into their hands, Kurvitz and Rostov were, were very quickly ousted out of the company. I think there's a part of you that wants to just blindly believe Rostov and Kurvitz because they are the creators and we respect that and like we, we see a lot of you know really cool shit in that. I don't know the best way to say it. At the same time, I think that it's telling that Martin Luiga was kind of you know he he did outright disagree that they created a bad workplace environment. Now, of course, it's in ZAUM's favor to exaggerate this, you know, but I don't want to excuse them because it it's totally possible that these guys are brilliant creatives who spend a lot of time in their own heads making this world of Elysium that, for whatever reason, we all relate so much to, that they also have no right managing people um, and aren't good at it. Yeah, I can totally imagine the environment, the work environment of ZAUM while they were there being fucking weird, if not seeming hostile to certain people because of the things that even they themselves are willing to admit about their behavior and their past and right. their beliefs and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not necessarily saying it's fireable. I'm just saying, I don't, you know, I don't know the extent of it, obviously, personally. Right. No, no. Just that I can imagine it being weird. For sure. And in that's me focusing for a minute on just kind of the claim about why they were ousted. But there, there's another part of this that I'll, that I'll get to in a minute. But it sounded like video had something to say. Maybe you were on the same wavelength here. Uh, why, why don't you go ahead? Well, I was going to say that the part I didn't state is that regardless of whether or not they were terrible bosses, um you know, verbal abuse, toxic workplace environment, regardless of whether or not that, 
Rostov and Kurvitz claim that the money that the investors use to obtain the Studio ZAM was obtained via fraud and that they never therefore had the right to buy the studio. They claim that they have evidence to that fact, etc. So, I mean, regardless of whether or not they were terrible bosses, they, they still own the work, if that's true. Yeah. They claim that the money was stolen from the studio, right? That, the, yeah, that, that they, the investors got uh, their majority holding from, by, by stealing money from that very company. I'm sure that just saying that they stole from the own studio was just a very easy way to say the gist of something much bigger. You can imagine, like, a circle, a circular money machine where somehow money goes from the studio towards some place that goes to these guys that they then use to buy the company. You know what I mean? Like, it's that's the way I read that, at least. Like, maybe I don't know, something stupid. And this is just a total bullshit example, just to illustrate what I mean. But, like, maybe Studio ZAM was investing in a subcontractor for a specific part of their work. That subcontractor was being financed by these two guys. These two guys profited from that subcontractor and then used the proceeds to buy the company. But even then, that that wouldn't be that would probably be actually ethically okay. But I think you get what I mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm curious to see what that actual evidence is because, uh, yeah, like you said, they. These guys, Kurvitz, the other guy, could be, uh, they could have been fired, rightfully so, but also if those guys committed fraud, that's, uh, you know, an important information as well. I was going to say, I'm wondering how this is even going to go, because I feel like, you know, Estonia is not some lawless wasteland, but um, it's not, you know, America or even the UK, but then I do see that uh, civil claims and criminal charges are on the table in Estonia and the United Kingdom. Right. Um, but I still, I still wonder like, is this going to be messier than usual or less options because of where this is all taking place? Um, I think just a good moment to end on is Martin Liga, who came, who gave us this word originally, like who broke the whole start of this news like a month ago. Um, self-described as the fourth member of the Disco Elysium crew, uh, said he was, quote, driven to drink by the unnatural work arrangement of the studio. The work was organized in such a way that the goal did not seem to be make, to make games, but rather to make people quarrel with each other. <laughs> Just firing back and forth about politics. Yeah. <laughs> or fighting over, like, ideas and stuff like that. I can see that. Of course, it's something like that. You know what I mean? It would be it would be very revealing if the communist studio was being accused of the typical eighty-hour grinds and that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Which they aren't. I I guess it like I don't know. There's a larger conversation, obviously, to have about this, but like I can buy that the conditions were not mundane. 
in Zaom during the uh, the production of Disco Elysium uh, were not typical. And it, like, if if it was necessary for Disco Elysium to become what it was, then like that's that's something that they just kind of have to accept, right? Because like they as as people who are very mired in in uh political discourse and and strong beliefs and actionable uh beliefs whatever um they must know that like art comes from adversity and they in fact you know orchestrated they engendered uh, a culture that created adversity at all times so that their art when it was finished was something beautiful you know so like if nothing else ever comes of this kind of collaboration if it was like a once in a lifetime thing um that's just like that's one for the history books you know that's that's like i don't know if i'm being coherent at all right now but i'm saying disco elysium is just like it has a place in history it's one of the best games ever made and um did you know did, could would we ever have really expected like Disco Elysium 2 to just be like another Disco Elysium? No. No. Yeah, I don't know. I sorry, I just did, I have complex I thoughts and I'm not really the interview I saw recently with Robert Kurvitz. I mean, he, he, it was not a recent interview. I don't think so. But I'd never seen it before. You saw it recently. Yeah, it was like 20 minutes long, but he talked about all different kinds of things, and he dropped little tidbits here and there. He talked about how um, the next thing he would really want to do is have a combat system. He really wants it to be combat. But when he describes what he means by combat, <laughs> he says stuff like, oh, like a car accident. <laughs> what an like, way to like imagine thinking about you can think about that in the disco elysium format like you hit something and then like your you know reaction speed is like oh duck and you know what i mean um but even more interestingly he, he kind of i remember he kind of like chuckled he was like you know what i really want to do is a sex scene i really want to do a sex scene as like a boss Natural. encounter, at least the context. It's a boss encounter. <laughs> no, really, like no, like, no, no. Again, you just left that part, part of the combat to... thing. Well, he didn't describe it as a boss encounter. I'm, I'm reading, okay, I'm reading okay. the tone. So I, I'm just saying, like, check it out. Um, but that's funny. I could totally see what he's saying there too. Yeah, obviously, the ideal world would have been like they get started on Disco Elysium two, and instead of falling apart the company is like improved internally um people actually f like work together to try to better everybody I, I don't know yeah that's way too naive obviously but like i don't know i just it, it's like you gotta just whatever <laughs> i feel like the back half of this pod has been mostly rambling but um definitely rambling <laughs> I enjoyed it. Uh, I hope our listeners enjoyed us waxing on about Disco Elysium, about uh, Gears of War, and Doom, and all sorts of things. Hey, I suppose you're not going to 
be two hours into the podcast. Listen to me right now if you didn't enjoy it. So, hey, thank you, everybody. Um, that's all we got this week. Everybody wish John luck in Italy with the demons. Please send in your recommendations, requests, and, and honestly, your comments on what you'd like to see on the stream. As always, tell your friends about the podcast. You know, we need to eat, too. And so far, we don't make any money off this thing. Which is, I'm starving. Which is fine. Which is fine. But Vito is, like, going broke supporting the rest of us. He's a saint. Feed me, Vito. Feed me, Vito. The Little Shop of Horrors <sighs> reference, you know. Did you get that? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I, this is not... All right, we're not ending the podcast. Like this is not the first time we've ended the podcast. I a little shovel for his reference. Are you serious? What? It was probably even that exact same one, but I feel like this is a shop, very familiar place. It's a call back then. I'm a, the space I'm in right now feels very familiar. But are you sure you didn't get a fuck? Did did you check yourself out after that little like uh, a plant cu- growing in your brain? Didn't, didn't you didn't you didn't you get bumped a little bit on your ride home? You got yeah, you got a yeah, a little that bit of a con- 30, concussion 30 pile up. Yeah. Oh, fuck, I forgot that happened. You're right. You're, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you might okay, well that's that's concerning as well. <laughs> Man, I totally forgot. I was in a car accident like three hours ago. Yeah, you you were you were very excited to get to the podcast. You were rushing home. But unfortunately, Andy never made it yeah. to the podcast. A poor yeah. And how many casualties were there? Yeah. This whole conversation. Anyway. All the great anyway. dialogue. <laughs> is manufactured, manifested, wholesale from Andy's fractured noggin. My God. <laughs>